Well, we are celebrating again the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who rose from the dead over 2,000 years ago. He wasn't in the grave this week. He lives forever. And uh, I thought I'd look this morning at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning at verse 1. <clears throat> because uh, I, I wonder if we, we are really um, convicted of what we believe and why we believe what we believe. Um, uh, we have made a commitment to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Then we need to remain in him. And that's what it's going to be about this morning. So I'd like to read a few verses. Um, and then I'll look up uh, the verses uh, pick out a few points from each of the verses that is read. Reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the New International Version, beginning at verse 1. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you receive and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you otherwise you have believed in vain for what I receive I pass on to you as the first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scripture, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brethren at the same time, most of whom are still living though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all he appeared to me also as one, as to one of normally born. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I work harder than all of them, yet not I. But the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they, this is what 
we preach and this is what you believe. I'd like to stop there for a few moments and start looking at these verses uh, beginning at verse 1. First of all, there are many today who profess to believe that Jesus Christ was crucified and yet they do not believe that he rose again and according to the words of the apostle if he is not risen then we are wasting our time but thanks be to God we know that he is he is risen he is alive and he is well let's uh, look at several scriptures to back up what we believe again let me read verse 1 of 1st Corinthians 15 again now brothers I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you which you received and on which you have taken your stand in other words you hear the word of God faith comes by hearing you hear the word of God you believe the word of God and you received the word of God hopefully it found good ground because you know there are when we plant it depends on where the seed is planted as to whether or not it will grow and really bring forth much fruit as we deserve but let's look at Isaiah chapter 40 verse 8 and 9 I quote, The grass wither, the flowers fall, but the word of God stands forever. You will bring good tidings to Zion. Go up on a high mountain. You will bring good tidings to Jerusalem. Lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the town of Judah, Here is your God. That is the word of God. And we must believe that Jesus Christ is Lord to the honor and glory of the Father. Therefore, we should accept him as such. Romans chapter 2 verse 16. This will take place on the day when God will judge men secretly, secretly through Jesus Christ as my gospel declared. Here is your God. This is Romans. The Apostle Paul is, is quoting from uh, Isaiah chapter uh, uh, 40 verse 9. But we also have Corinthians chapter 3 verse 15. 
again here we I'm sure have experienced over and over and you've heard this uh, over and over depending on who is speaking um, there are some who are not interested or they say well I am for Pastor Jaisal or I am for Pastor Cole or I am for Pastor Russell and we tend to choose individuals to determine whether or not we're going to serve our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as his. But here is what, again, the Apostle Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 5. He says, What after all is Apollos? Or what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his task. Um, in other words, God has chosen us and he has given us a task. And as a result, some believe but we need to remember it's not our effort it's not our own ingenuity and verse 6 clarifies that for us here is Paul as he continues he says I plant the seed Apollos he waters it but God made it grow so neither he who plant or he who water is anything but only God who makes things grow I have an experience we have been trying to grow something as simple as pepper but as a result of whatever is in my yard I could plant it and it springs up and it looks good and in two weeks time there's only the stem all the leaves are eaten everything is gone Helen will never bother to plant anything because she says everything she plants dies. So I go out, I plant this whole pepper seed, the, the whole pepper. So I say one must, out of a dozen or more seeds in it, one should spring. I watch it, I water it. I actually planted in an area where the air condition drains so I know it was going to be water every time we turn the air condition on and for a couple days I saw nothing and then a couple days later just about six inches from where I planted the pepper I saw these beautiful leaves coming up I said oh the water must have shifted it and I went inside and I said to Helen, I said, I think the peppers are coming up. I said, the water must, must have shifted it. I said, but 
they're looking good. He says, no, that's not what you see there is um, orange seed. He said, I planted several orange seed in just near to where you plant that. I said, oh, well, it, they're looking beautiful. So I planted the pepper. It hasn't shown up yet, but the orange trees are looking great. And Helen don't bother the plant because she says everything that she plants dies. It isn't who plant it. It isn't who water it. It's who bring it up. And it's God. And the same thing applies to us as believers. It isn't the one who might have led you to the Lord. Or the one who encourage you in the word but it's God and we need to remember that without wavering because Paul is saying who is Apollos or who is Paul we, we can't do anything we may plant the seed we may tell some one about Jesus but it's the Holy Spirit that brings conviction we can't convict any anybody I know in in, 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 in training people to um, win souls um, the fair has always been over the years with those people was well I'm afraid to share with Individuals, because I don't, I don't know if they're gonna believe. And I would say to them, "That's not your problem. We are to proclaim the word of God. That's our duty. We are to do the planting. We are to water, but leave the increase to God. So." Neither the one who plant nor the one who water is anything but only God who make things grow. Let's look at verse 2. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the words I preach to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. When we trust Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we shouldn't be oscillating. We shouldn't be like the waves on, on the seashore. We need to remember that it is not us who are keeping ourselves. It is God. There are so many people who told me, I don't want to trust Jesus Christ as my personal Savior because I'm not sure I am able to continue to do what is expected of me. And I would always encourage them. That's the wrong way to look at it because it is not what you can do, but what God would do within you. 
listen to what Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says and this is Paul he is reminding us and this is this is where we should try to 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 find ourselves we should want to be able to not only say what Paul is saying but to be convicted as Paul was convicted he says I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it's the power of God for salvation. For everyone who believes. First to the Jews, then to the Gentiles. First to the Jews, then to the Gentiles. Verse 17. For in the gospel... A righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. We must believe God. We, not one of us was around 2,000 years ago to look upon a cross and say yes Jesus Christ died on the cross but by faith like Abraham believed we can look back and say what Abraham was looking forward to we can look back at now and say it has happened not in Abraham's time but he believed God but we can look back and say, yes, truly, God accomplished what he said he would accomplish. We are reminded here that we should hold firmly to what we believe. And that is the gospel, not just anything you believe. Because there are many who believe all sorts of things. But it doesn't make it right. Listen to what Romans 11.22 says. Consider therefore the kindness and sternness of God. Sternness to those who fall but kindness to you who prove um provided that you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, he says, you also will be cut off. In other words, God is kind towards us in that he lavished his grace upon us. But that same grace that he lavished on us, if we choose to walk away from the truth, then I, he reminds us here that his sternness will also be experienced. So, the God of justice, he is a God of justice. Not only a God 
who cares, but he is a God of justice. He makes his face to shine on the just and the unjust. He reigns. We had beautiful rain last evening. The ones who were planning the invasion of people's home, he rained on them. As well as on us who prayed that their plots were would have been aborted or be or come to confusion. That was my prayer last night, but then I woke up this morning as we were reminded there were those whose homes were invaded. We need to remember we have a faithful God, a just God, a God who loves, cares, and one who is ready to protect us. But at the same time, he has what is necessary. He must be stern to those who reject the only begotten Son of God. They're, they are going to have to pay the consequences. Verse 3. For what I received, I pass on to you as of the first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. What is Paul saying here? For Paul is reminding us that what he received was not from ordinary men. This wasn't something that he was taught by man, but by Christ himself. Listen to Galatians chapter 1 verse 12. He says, I did not receive it, that is the gospel, from any man, nor was I thought it. Rather, I receive it by the revelation from Jesus Christ. This was a revelation from Jesus Christ that Paul was able to say without a shadow or doubt, I didn't get this from John, I didn't get it from uh, uh any of the other apostles, I got this from Christ himself. And he says, I pass it on to you. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 2. I praise you, he says, for remembering me in everything and for holding to the teachings just as I pass them on to you. 
In other words, when we get into the Word of God, when we hear the Word of God, we should hold on to it. Let's not try to add anything to it or take away anything from it. But just as it is passed on to us from the Word of God, we should hold on to it. Because we, we, we tend to find an easy way to explain away things that we do not truly understand. But may I say to you this morning, there are those things that God has kept for himself and has not instructed anyone one of those things is his coming. He says that no one knows the day or the hour when he comes. This is known only by the Father. And they are the secret things of God. But at the same time, he gives us all kinds of directions through the word of God that is important for us now, today. In my lifetime, I can think of at least three different times when there were different sect of people who said they had a date when Jesus was going to come. In my lifetime. 1988. <laughs> yes. Uh, but he says, no one knows. So there's no use anyone coming to me and try to convince me that he is coming tomorrow. He could come tomorrow. He could come today. He could come before I leave this room. But we don't know. We don't know. And that is why it's so important for us to live as if today was our last day. Because it could be. And he may not come for the church, but he could come for you. He could come for me. So it's important for us to live as if he is coming today. If we knew for a fact that Jesus was coming today, there would not be a church in this island that you could find space in. You wouldn't be able to find this space because it will be filled with sinners. The believers wouldn't be able to get into their sanctuary, but there's no need to be there if he's coming. And you're ready because wherever you are, you're in him, you're safe. But the unbelievers will try to get in the church. He goes on to say, 
I pass on to you. And he is happy to know that when he passed it on to them, they held on to the truth of God's word. And they kept it. But what, what was some of those truths that they held on to? Again, Jesus died for our sins. That will never change. The day you change that, then you need to determine whether or not you are truly in the faith. And this wasn't something that was taught up while Jesus was here on earth. But we can go back to Isaiah 53 verse 5 which says, and I quote, But he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. Way back, the prophet foretold what would happen to Jesus. And it happened exactly as they said it would. They didn't break Jesus' legs the way they normally do to make sure that they did not push up on their legs to keep breathing. They break the legs so they won't be able to push up because that's, that's how they would breathe on the cross. They had to push up on their feet. But what they did was what was not normal. They pierced him in the side. That's what Isaiah tells us. And out came blood and water, which demonstrates that he died. And elsewhere in scriptures, he says, not a bone was broken. Normally when you're crucified, they break your legs. Hundreds of years prior to that, it says not one bone was broken. Now, who could determine that? But God. But not only that. The peace that we can have, the peace of God and the peace with God, which is ours. And, you know, this this might sound a little boastful but forgive me if it, if it does when I look back over my life what I tried to do before I trusted Jesus Christ I failed miserably but when I trusted him, 
he gave me that peace that I couldn't find anywhere else. It wasn't in things. It wasn't in anything that this world could offer. I didn't find it in any of those things. But when I trusted him, he gave me a peace. And I'll go this far to say this morning. And that's why I said it might sound a little boastful. If I were to die and there is no God, I have no regrets between the day I trusted Jesus Christ to this very moment. So for me, the peace that I have and I experience is enough for me even if there was no God. But I know full well there must be a God because I try other things and other ways but was not successful. But when I put my trust in the one Jesus Christ he transformed my life and I would give nothing in exchange for that. So even if there was no heaven my life after I trusted Jesus Christ was worth it. If it's only the peace that I have that I didn't have for 33 years. So it may sound a little boastful, but that's that's what I that's what I know because he lives within me. And I couldn't find this peace anywhere else even though I tried many times and in many different ways, but it was not until I received him as personal savior that I can say there is a peace that I cannot understand even when circumstances around me look very bleak. But there is something else that we can claim. Not only was he pierced Not only was he placed on a cross where you and I should have been, but he was the spotless Lamb of God, the one that took away the sin of the world to whosoever will. John 1 verse 29 says, and I quote, The next day, John, that is John the baptizer, saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world.
and this was according to the scriptures. Jesus Christ himself said in Matthew chapter 26 verse 24, the son of man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrayed the son of man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. I always marvel when I read the story of Jesus and his disciples. There is nowhere that I have read where he made any differences between Judas and any of the other disciples. Try to put yourself in Jesus's position. Knowing that Tom Jones was going to be the one to betray you. How do you think you handle that for three years? And don't treat him any different. No one even knew who it was going to be. But Jesus. Matter of fact when Jesus chose him. He knew that that would be the one. That would betray him. Can, can you imagine that? I mean. Think of it. For three subtle years. He ate with you. He drank with you. And you didn't show any difference between he and John who laid on Jesus' breast. It is uh, amazing to me. But that is the love of God in action. Paul standing before King Agrippa in Acts chapter 26 verse 22 says and I quote but I have God's help to this very day I was sharing with them how the Pharisees and Sadducees was trying to, to kill him and it goes on and so I stand here and testify to small and great alike I am saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen verse 23 that the Christ would suffer and as the first to raise from the dead would proclaim light to his own people and to the Gentiles. What 
catches my attention here is the fact that he was the first to be raised from the dead. Well, what about Lazarus? Everybody knows that he raised Lazarus from the dead, right? Yeah. And that was before Jesus died, right? But each one of those who he raised from the dead died again. So he was not talking about who was restored to life, but in the same old body with pain, suffering, and everything else. He was talking about the firstborn who would have that new body that we all are looking forward to. That's the kind of body Jesus had. None of the others had that kind of body. They died again. They couldn't walk through closed doors. So, indeed, he was the first of his kind. But we have a hope, don't we? That one of these days, we are going to be given that new body that resurrected body being in the grave three days Lazarus was there four days right he raised him from the dead but he came out with the same corruptible body but the body that Jesus had and the body that we will have will be incorruptible and I don't know about you but I'm looking forward to that body that will know no pain, that will know no restriction, but above all, to be able to gaze upon that one who died where I should have died. I'm going to stop there because of time. But I want to encourage you today as we celebrate. Jesus was not placed in a tomb on Friday. It was over 2,000 years ago. We are celebrating. We are remembering. Because it's easy, very easy for us to forget. And that's the reason why when we take the Lord's Supper, we are reminded each time, not only about his death and his resurrection, but also about his eminent return for his church and people. Now, the church are those who are in Christ, not the building over there. We are the church. Shall we pray? Father, this morning I want to thank you that we can celebrate this another day as we remember the resurrection of the living Christ, one who is seated 
at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. We thank you, Lord, that we have the hope that one of these days, whether we be raised bodily from the grave or whether we are, are transformed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, when you come back, because you could come today. We want to thank you because we have this hope that is in Christ Jesus. We thank you because we have this peace that this world cannot give, neither can it take away. Get glory for yourself and we will be careful to give you all the praise, all the honor and all the glory. For it's in Christ's name we ask it. Amen.